I'm Anahi, award-winning U.S. and European certified floral designer, educator, and your host. If you are a florist, flower farmer, business owner, or simply a floral enthusiast, you are in the right place, my friend. I help you by providing insights through industry leaders and mentors through their stories, helpful tips, and tricks so that you too can take your floral business and design to the next level. I bring you the art and business of flowers. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Viva La Floral Live podcast. Today's guest is Juanita Willer. So for my, for you, my flower friend, this name may not have a sound, but trust me, this is definitely one of the episodes you want to stick around and listen to, and you may want to grab a pen and a paper because you probably want to write these things down. So I stumbled onto Juanita um, in the clubhouse completely accidentally in one of its rooms, you know, it was just this chat and... I was fascinated, completely captivated from the beginning. And I kept going back to her rooms and I kept improving the work that I was doing. And she's doing this coaching on how to do introductions through this five specific steps. And that's what we dive into and much, much more. She is a founder of Fool and Frank company and what she really does. I mean, she does a lot of things, but I think her superpower is speaking coaching. You know, she's a TEDx speaker, speaking coach. She's corporate negotiator, speech writer. I mean, she teaches in college. I mean, there's just the list just goes on. I mean, this is a remarkable woman that you do want to stick around and listen to. And to top it off, she has this lovely Australian accent that I just can't get enough of. So here it is. Without further ado, I'm going to. I'm going to dive right into this episode with Juanita Willer and be sure to check out the show notes to get all of her amazing links and all the cool events and free webinars coming up. Trust me, like I said, you don't want to miss this one. So let's get started. Hi, Juanita. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Oh, well, good morning from Australia. And thank you so much for having me. Hey, you are welcome. You're a rock star. Early in the morning, all the way from Australia. And here we are right? All the way across the ocean, a few of them in US and we're talking. This is great. So really, thank you for doing this. You know, of course, I introduced your bio in the beginning, but the thing that fascinated me the most, and I kind of stumbled on you just by accident, really at the clubhouse, listening, you walking people through your five steps on how to pitch yourself or introduce yourself, right? It was so fascinating. I was doing stuff at, at the time. And I usually when I'm on Clubhouse, I do this kind of like this thing just happens on the side or whatever. I stopped everything, grabbed a pen and a pen, pencil, paper and all this, sat down and started doing all this while you were talking through some people. I'm like, oh my God, this is just fascinating. And I came back afterwards and it was really helpful. In fact, I did this very own podcast intro or redid this very own podcast intro based on your coaching. It was fantastic. So thank you. Well, you're incredibly welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I mean, as I say, when I'm, and first of all, I love cl Clubhouse. It's awesome. It, it allows me to meet people all around the world, such as your fabulous, badass self. I've been, you know, doing my work. So I've been providing strategic consulting and I've been, you know, 
uh, doing speaker and pitching, coaching for, for a long time now and also being an introvert myself, like a screaming introvert. Over the last, you know, two decades, I've worked out, look, introductions are really important. They're incredibly powerful, like done well. It immediately conveys to your audience that you are someone with knowledge or you are someone who is a specialist or an authority or that you have lived experience that means that you have information of value on this particular topic. And yet I know myself personally, I was doing terrible introductions that weren't doing myself justice. And I would be in rooms all the time and I would see other people who were just absolutely giving this most either long and waffly awful introductions or they were completely underselling them uh, themselves so no one would pay them mind or listen to what they said next. Um, and like anything in life, I think if, if you want to do something well, there's a strategy for that. So mm-hmm. I just had to work out what that strategy is for me and I've been using it for myself and my clients and my TEDx speakers. And uh, now I've, and Clubhouse was this amazing opportunity. You get on there and you're like, oh, here is an entire world of people that I previously, I was teaching people one-on-one and suddenly I'm like, wow, I can pull all of these people into a room and I can let them know about my five steps. So I, I do this, the room, as you would know, every weekend I run it a couple of times, one in a US friendly time zone, one in a UK friendly time zone <laughs> and both are friendly for Australia. And and each week I'll have um, over 100 people I'll life coach one-on-one to help them organise their introductions. And uh, it's incredibly rewarding because you can then get the, uh, the messages back saying, oh, look, I just went and did this and I nailed some new clients or I got a promotion or I, you know, got this new deal and so it's fantastic, but, uh, you know, there's an enormous amount of power in introductions. I'm very happy to walk, you know, your audience through the five steps real quick. Oh, yes, that would be absolutely amazing. And so I want to say to my audience right now that's listening, brace yourself. If you are not driving or anything like that, you need to grab a pen and a pencil because I promise you you're going to come back and listen to this again um, because I could not write fast enough when you were when I was listening to you on a clubhouse and seeing the transformation happen right there on the spot, you know, and no fluff. That was just strategy, actionable steps. It was fantastic. So yes, let's talk about it. Floor is yours. Thank you so much. It's so funny that you were talking about no fluff because I left my corporate, my corporate world gig you know, eight years ago. And it was funny when we went and said, I'm going to start up my own company and what shall we name it? And, you know, we thought about it. And I, I just didn't want to go down that traditional-esque route of going, you know, like we need a wheeler and associates. I'm like, I, I just don't want any part of that. And um, so we wrote down different words that describe the manner in which I coach and I teach people. And, um, you know, we have words like comprehensive but blunt <laughs> and the other one was full and frank. And I said, I couldn't believe when it wasn't trademarked because that's, that's exactly it. It's everything you need to know and no fat. So, because who's got time for fat? Um, so here's the five steps. So uh, for when you go in and introduce yourself, and that's whether it's in an elevator pitch, it's, you know, in a networking session, it's working into a boardroom. Um, and they're quite simple. It's not rocket science, but they're very important to get right. So step one has two parts of it, and it's the equivalent of, hello, I'm Juanita Wheeler. It's a single sentence. And the first part of that is the greeting. So whether you say hi, hello, g'day, good morning, good evening, good afternoon is important. You need to pick the right greeting based on your audience. What will make them feel comfortable? What will make them think that you understand the context and the formality of the room that you're in? So if it's a barbecue, g'day is fine. But if you're going in and pitching to investors or serious clients, 
then using, you know, good morning or good evening or hello is far more appropriate. Um, if you do a greeting well, they won't even hear it. They won't even notice it because you've picked a good one. But when you pick something that's a bit jarring or a bit discordant with what they would expect, then that can be distracting and they don't hear the next two sentences and you don't want that. So don't wait and just let something random topple out of your mouth, whatever happens to come out at the time. Think in advance and work out who am I about to speak to and what's the most important greeting, appropriate greeting for them. And the second part is your name, which sounds so simple, but you need to choose the correct version of your name. So if you have uh, multiple PhDs, I have a fictitious character I use called Dr. Abigail Jones, who in my mind has two PhDs in astrophysics. So if she is walking into a convention or a conference presentation or a board meeting that relates to her field of expertise and she wants to be regarded as extremely professional, she should, or I would recommend to her that she walked in and said, you know, good morning, I'm Dr. Abigail Jones. Use the title of doctor, use her proper name of Abigail and just claim the space. Uh, if, but if you're walking into a room um, and you still want to be regarded as professionally, but uh, you don't, it's not related to her astrophysics or you don't have professional titles, then just jump in and she could be, hello, I'm Abigail Jones. And that would be fine because she doesn't need to, you know, flash her PhDs all over the room if it's not relevant to the conversation. Whereas if you're jumping into, you know, a barbecue or if you're jumping into a clubhouse room and it's a casual chat about which is your favourite Bridgerton episode, then she could totally jump in and just go, g'day, I'm Abby Jones, because she could use a very informal greeting and she could use a pet name or a nickname of Abby if that made her happy. And there's some really important research out there about particularly women using um infantilizing names so using pet names please stop doing it in a professional setting but in short there's this kick-ass woman I don't know if you've heard of her called Jane Elliott she's an American teacher turned coach for lack of a better term educator she's most famous for her work on um, anti-racism with her blue-eyed brown-eyed experiments but she also talks about the importance of women not infantilizing themselves or making themselves smaller with their names. She would say, get over being cute, get qualified, get competent. So if your name is Deborah, don't call yourself Debbie. Don't make yourself little or smaller or younger. If your name is Victoria, then be Victoria, rock Victoria. Don't be Vicky or Tori. So choose the correct version of your name for your setting. And that with the greeting is step one. Step two, really quickly, is to give a single sentence of your most pertinent credentials to the conversation you're about to step into. So this is not a one-size-fits-all thing. If you're going to go in and talk about a typical topic, tell them then. And, you know, don't do what I used to do, which was in order to show people I was credible, I used to vomit up basically my entire resume, which is the worst possible thing you could do. A, it makes you sound like some kind of crazed narcissist, um, but it also makes you sound waffly. And every time you add things that aren't relevant, it, you know, diminishes the importance of the things that were pertinent. So try not to do that. So to, to give you an example, if I was coming somewhere and I was talking about presenting, I'd say, hi, I'm Winita Wheeler and I'm a presentation pitching and speaker coach and the executive director of TEDx Brisbane. If I was going into a room and I was talking about the struggles of juggling parenting and career, I would say, hi, I'm Winita Wheeler. I'm the founder of my own company, the mother of three 20-something sons and a former teen mum. 
And if I was jumping into some uh, community roundtable on the issues of the absence of social equality and social justice in the world, I would say, hi, I'm Winita Wheeler, and I'm a senior fellow with the Atlantic Fellows for Social Equity based out of Oxford Uni. So pick that sentence, sentence, your step two, maximum of three things you can include, single sentence, and only what's relevant to the conversation you're about to have. Because you want people to hear it and go, this woman or this man has game on this topic, I want to hear what they say next. Step three and step four, come to a single sentence. They run together and in short it says, who do you serve? Who is the demographic you serve? What is the problem or challenge they're currently experiencing? And how awesome are they going to feel after they've used your product or service? So to give you just a really quick example, if I was a life coach, which I'm not, it might be um, I help professional women so that's the demographic, who feel overwhelmed by the challenges of juggling parenting and career. That's the problem you're going to solve for them. And then to feel calm, confident and in control at home and in the office. That's where you're going to get them to. So you'll note in that step three, which is the first part, and then step four, which is where you get them to, at no point in time in that introduction did I say, physically what I do. I didn't say I coach them this way or I did give them this product or this is the service. You're just telling them, I'm speaking to you. You have this problem, which I understand, and I understand it in a completely non-judgmental or patronizing way. And this is how I'm going to make you feel afterwards if you use my product or service or solution. And then step five is the final part, and it's up to two sentences because this entire introduction is five sentences max. So Step five is what is awesome about you? What is special? Why am I coming to you rather than anybody else? Why, you know, the idea is at the end of it, you will put an exclamation mark, drop the mic and go, you know, I don't know about the language warning on this, but it's the, the bitches I came to play, you know, don't even bother Googling or looking for anybody else. Don't, don't look for my competitors. I am the one you want. And there are lots of different ways you can think about what should be the the elements of your step five. But the common ones are either you have lived experience that no one else has and you've done this for yourself or for clients and now you're going to do it for somebody else. Or it could be that you have an amazing combination. We had a woman um, in my clubhouse sessions the other week who was doing fashion designing lingerie. But before that, she was a physiotherapist. So she has this amazing understanding of the stresses and strains of female body, the issues about carrying weight and, and, you know, breast and what breasts and what they do to backs. And so she's created lingerie that is beautiful, but is also very um, attentive to the physical requirements of women's bodies. And so that is a crazy unique combination. So that's part of her step, you know, so think about you know, what is special about you. And that's the final thing. And at the end of it, you drop the mic and you're like, here, I am awesome. Come on down. And that, and that's the step five. And the important thing to remember is you're not trying to get everything you want to say in a conversation in your introduction. This is just the incredibly, hey, this is, I am fantastic. Hook them in. So then they ask the next question, which is like, oh my gosh, that's really interesting. How did you come to be doing that? And then you go, well, here's my origin story. Um, or they'll say, oh my gosh, that's a great result. How does that happen? Oh, well, let me tell you about my products or services and how I actually make those amazing results happen. But your, your, your introduction is just hooking them in. Regardless of what you're doing, on a day-to-day basis, you can have an amazing five-step introduction. Wow. Yes. You know, funny funny thing is I've I've heard this a couple of times. I've gone through this exercise in the coaching call with you, right? And I'm listening to this again and I'm like, ooh, what else can I update and change? And I'm, I'm like trying to kind of do the exercise as I'm listening to this. This is so good. So 
And is it true that, well, I guess it's safe to say that one person can potentially have multitude of those, right? Those introductions for, right, for a variety of settings, as you said, and not just from casual to business, but even if you're a multifaceted business owner or, you know, professional or whatever. That's absolutely true. So we have people come back to our weekly sessions. First of all, we have people who come back, you know, three, four, five times every week. And every week they'll take their turn on stage and they'll go, this is what I worked on from last week and here are my changes. And that's to now their first one. And I usually say almost, almost most people these days have, have you know, their day job and they'll have side, at least one side hustle <laughs> and then they'll have a passion project. So you will typically get you know, you'll have multiple of these, but I always say, don't try and start by writing multiple at the same time. Write one, write the one you need most urgently or the one you're going to use most often, nail that and then move on to the next one. But I was doing, um, I think it was on last week's session and I was talking to a woman and she was, you know, she was just talking about she's starting a new business. We worked out like, I think she has to have like five of these and they'll be 80% the same, but there will be some important differences and, and all the magic is in the 20% she changes. But she'll have one, for example, when she's going and trying to get investors and people to invest in her organization where her, you know, she's trying to convey that she has game, she has business experience, she's a solid bet invest in me, I'll get this done. And then she has a totally intro different introduction when she's trying to commit um, pitch to customers, like end user customers, and that will be slightly different. And then she also has a product and part of her suite that is business to business. And so then she has to have a slightly different version of that. She's involved in recruitment. So to the end users, she's saying about, I can help you find a job. I can help you find the right job. These are my years of experience plus, you know, so her wording is all about that. But then when she's actually pitching to company, it's a totally different thing because when she's talking about I help, instead of saying, you know, I help, you know, step three and four, instead of saying, I help individuals to find the jobs that allow them to shine, but also meet their values and give them a sense of purpose. When she's talking to the businesses who are our other part of her customers, then she's saying like, I help, you know, overworked um, uh, human resources staff try and place the right people the first time to fast track the process, minimize the fuss and reduce the and, and increase their employee retention rate. So, you know, it's a totally different pitch, slightly tweaked, but she's got the formula there. And so right. work out which individual ones you want and then slowly nail them all. And once you've done it a few times, then you're like, I know exactly how these five steps work. And you can do it on a whim. You meet somebody, you know, there's somebody over there. I mean, I do the five steps every time in my head before I meet somebody new or before I walk into a different room. Um, and absolutely everyone can get there. There's absolutely nothing special about me doing it. It's just knowing, okay, cool. Now, what does this person want? What am I trying? How am I making their lives better? Okay, that's what I need to go and lead with. It's interesting. So me personally, who has gone through the steps um, more time more times than I can count because um, I was so obsessed with it. I think I have like six, seven pages that I tore apart. I just like kept tossing it. Oh, it's not good. I got to do it again. I got to do it again, right? The biggest challenge I personally had was with step two, you know, kind of putting your credentials out there and it's like, okay, I don't want to sound like this pompous know-it-all or I, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I've done all these things. Yeah. I mean, I'm awesome, I think, but I don't want to come across as cocky or as, I don't know. And, and it was this, this moment of this imposter syndrome, this, 
all of these things that especially I think most creatives and I think most women kind of suffer with, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I I love women, but we're the worst. (laughs) Yeah. So, you you know, there are step two was when I created step two, it was in a direct reply to step two is the hardest for me and it's still the hardest for me. And there are a couple of pitfalls with it, but it's why it needs to be a step because it's something if you nail it and nail it well, it makes all the difference in the world because the next thing they hear after your name is why they should listen to everything you say afterwards. So it is not one of the most imperative things to say. It's at this point where you get to flag for them, this is what, in, in basically what this sentence says is, this is why you should listen to everything I say after this then, you know. So it's imperative. But I used to, like I said, I used to, I predominantly have always worked in the settings where I am the only woman in the room. And I am four foot ten and I am blonde. None of these things are helpful when it comes to walking into a, a room full of men who are often, let's face it, stale, male and pale and say, you know, listen to me. And so my... Uh, in my young years, my response was to go in and say, well, I have this and I have these master's degrees and I have this and I have these many years of experience and this is, you know, it was just terrible. I've been a CEO of this and I've done this, blah, blah, blah. And yes, it absolutely, when you do that, you come across like some screaming narcissist. It's not a good thing. But then I find people have the opposite where they don't, they, they so, particularly women. I was talking to a woman about this yesterday and the day before at International Women's Day events and they are just, they'll say things like, oh, I just keep things running in the office. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You completely <laughs> run and organize the entire schedule of this, that, and the other. You manage, you know, every single staff member in this place. You do this, you know, it was just so, yes. So, we need to find that balance. Um, and part of that is picking just three things that are relevant to the conversation that say why you should be listened to. So, if you are going, you know, and it is always audience specific like if you if you take nothing well away from today understand you craft that second sentence and basically everything in your five-step introduction based on who you're about to talk to and the thing I like to think about when you're struggling with step two and also if it's from that perspective of I don't want a big note myself is you've got to come at it as a position uh, from a position of wanting to serve mm-hmm. so don't think about these things in terms of big noting yourself because it's a, it's a mindset issue. Right. Think about, I have value to add to this conversation and I'm going to help. I can actually make your life better if you just, like I know in myself, I can make your life better. I can make your event better. I can make, you know, your experience better. I can, I can make the process better. You have things to offer. And the way to let them know that they should to be able to help you is to then make sure you do that step two with your single sentence of credentials well. You know, if you know, for example, that you can, if you're trying to get, let's say you're trying to get a job and let's say you're trying to, all the flowers for somebody's major, you know, international convention. And let's say you know that you can do it better than anybody else. You can make it fast. You can make it so pain-free. You can have it beautifully on brand. It'll take all the fuss out of it. Nothing will go wrong. The event coordinators don't even have to know what's going on because it's just going to magically appear. If you know that you can do that amazing thing for them, and as somebody who runs events, that would be like a godsend to me. Let's pivot a little bit. So you you coach TEDx speakers, how how did you end up with that job? Because it just sounds so, it sounds a lot and kind of important, but a lot. Like I cannot even imagine what, where, where do you even begin? So my TEDx journey was a little bit interesting in that I, I had always loved TED Talks, like so many other people. And I was doing... Yeah, same, same here. Uh, you know, they're amazing. And I had, um, I was doing my executive MBA at the time and someone in my cohort let me know that at 
a live TEDx event was coming. Um, and I was vaguely familiar with, with the idea of TEDx, which is that it, it's kind of the boots on the ground, independent community offshoot of TED. Uh, you get a license from TED and then individual communities can put on their own TED style events. And so I thought, oh, that's brilliant. Um, but I was a little bit worried because I'm like, what if I go and it's terrible? Will that, you know, diminish my love of TED? Uh, I didn't need to worry. It was awesome. But I went that first year and I, that was 2012, I think. And then the next year, and I loved it. It was amazing. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, there were people on the stage giving these talks about how they had left, you know, six-figure paying jobs and seemingly perfect lives to go and follow their passion and do something big. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's what I want to do. About six months later, after that first event, by the way, I quit my job and formed my own company. It was totally related to that. But uh, the next year they asked me to come back as a volunteer, which I did. And the year after that, they asked me to go back and speak, which I did, and I gave my own TEDx talk. And uh, the year later, the woman who was running that event, and that particular event was called TEDx South Bank, named after the South Bank of the Brisbane River in our city, and, and the, the area there, uh, which is kind of our cultural precinct. And then she got a job, uh, an opportunity to go and work for Richard Branson in London on a, on a maternity leave contract, which obviously you do. And uh, so she said, uh, you know, do you want to, we'd, we'd like you to take over the license and run it. And so I applied to New York and all the things that you have to do to headquarters in TED to get the license. And I did. And so uh, 2016, I ran my first event as the executive director. Um, loved it. Brought my whole family. My entire family are involved, um, as well as just a fabulous team of amazing humans. Not everyone understands that um, under TEDx rules, you can't get paid. So no one who works on running TEDx, distinct from TED, gets paid. It's all a love job. So I had no idea. Yeah, most people don't. So um, it's like having a full-time separate job or at least a part-time job that turns full-time a couple of months of the year that you don't get paid for. Uh, but amazing. You get paid for in, you know, good karma. And um, But no, so I've been doing it since 2016. Uh, in 2017, we changed our name and we actually got the citywide license, which is, you know, in the TEDx world, it's a big deal to get your city's title as your TEDx event. So we became TEDx Brisbane. And we've been running it ever since. But but part of that executive director role is setting the tone, setting the direction, setting the strategy, but also selecting the speakers with a curatorial team and then helping them deliver, you know, the talk of their lives. So um, it, it's amazing. And, and part of the TEDx mantra is um, they're not looking for motivational speakers. Speaks, mm. you know, the talks can be motivational and they can be inspiring, but they're not looking for motivational speakers. They're wanting to find brilliant ideas and then giving them a platform and exposure they might not otherwise have. So, you know, we're constantly finding people like scientists and researchers and engineers who, who never leave their labs to talk to the humans. And then you've got to help them get to the point where they can can communicate those ideas regularly. So it's been an incredibly exciting and inspiring journey, having gone from just being a, a viewer like so many others of the videos to then being a member of the audience, to a volunteer, to a speaker, and now running TEDx Brisbane and having this amazing opportunity to curate and shape which ideas go out into the world. Yeah. It, it's amazing. If, if you haven't gone to a live TEDx event in your community, wherever you are in the world, track one down and do it. It, it can be an amazing experience. I love TEDx talks and I have so many favorites. I mean, there's so many that I've gone back and I, when I find a good one, you know, it's like, oh my God, I literally send it to everyone I know. I'm like, you got to listen to this, you know, and there's just so many good ones. Like I can't, oof, do you have a favorite one? 
Uh, look, that's really hard. Um, I actually did an international women. I did two International Women's Day keynote addresses this week, so I'm super tired. But it was fantastic. But in one of them that I did, I actually, which I've now switched into a blog post, so I'll send you the link for that. Um, but I actually listed out a number of different TEDx talks that I just love. So, you know, some of them include, I'm a procrastinator. I'm a terrible procrastinator. So there is an amazing TEDx talk by, a TED talk by a gentleman called Tim Urban on, you know, inside the mind Monty of a procrastinator. Monkey brain. Oh my gosh, the procrastination it's and the my panic of all time. <laughs> oh my god. That's me. I'm it's sorry, like- no, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that is like I've I've got so many favorite ones, but that is one singular one that I've sent to so many people. I'm like, in case you want to know how my brain works. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. And then, um, you know, having grown up in in, in an adverse um, childhood situation, there's a talk by Nadine Burke Harris on the adverse childhood experience study, which I think every human on the planet who ever comes in any contact with children should know about. Um, so that's another favourite. Um, but there, there are there are so many. But there are just um, and the, and then you've got to laugh at things like. There's a, a an older TED talk now by a gentleman called Joe Smith about how to use paper towel when you wash your hands, and it's so simple and it's so easy. But I will find myself travelling and I will be in an airport bathroom and you know Mexico or China or Japan or the States wherever I am, and I will use this particular process he talks about in his talk about how to use paper towel and wash your hands. And someone will be at the other part of the bathroom and turn down and go TED. And I'll go, yep. <laughs> and it's like, a way to identify each other in foreign country bathrooms uh, in a, you know, completely non-dodgy way. But yeah, so that's amazing. And there's, there's another one that always makes my heart feel good. And it's um, by uh, Mark Bezos. And it's talking about as a volunteer firefighter and talks about, you know, go and, and, and do things, do it today, make the world a little bit better. And, you know, but as I said, I'm saying in my International Women's Day address the other day, if you're looking to find a solution, if you're looking to have an idea challenged, if you're looking for knowledge or information, if you're looking to be inspired, chances are there's a TED Talk for that. So just go find one. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's so funny. You said, you, you mentioned the first one and it's just, it's been one of, I mean, since the day I discovered it, I'm like, that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> That's not what's wrong with you. That's what's awesome. You just just understand how your procrastination brain works. And I always say to people, my procrastination, and and everyone is different, but my procrastination isn't laziness and it isn't about disinterest. My procrastination is about perfectionism. So I have this love-hate relationship with perfect in that I love anything I make or create or deliver to be perfect. And when it is, I'm so ecstatic. But I hate the fact that my fear of producing anything that is less than perfect uh, in, triggers this kind of paralysis, um, which, right. you know, then is ineffectively procrastination. And to an uninformed observer, it just looks like I'm Netflix binging or, or, or doing nothing, but it's actually just this fear of um, not ha- of delivering anything that's less than perfect. And it's, you know, that is my challenge and I continuously work on that. You know, I've adopted the new mantra, done is better than perfect, done is better than perfect. You'll hear me utter it like 50 times a day. Um, oh, my God. But that's where my procrastination comes from. Oh, yes. You, you, you know, you just nailed it in the head. Two years ago, um, I almost had a breakdown of like, I just was so overwhelmed with so many things. And what I realized was it was that I am a recovering procrastinator. I am a recovering 
perfectionist. Down Better Than Perfect actually is on my screensaver, has been for some time. It went on and off. I just got a new Mac and it's back in. Um, there was something else before that. but And then I just recently um, came across this quote that says, down's better than perfect because perfect never gets done. And I'm like, yes. That's- See, my, my problem is that I know perfect can get done and I've done perfect. <laughs> and I want to replicate that 100% of the time instead of being happy when you're now perfect 10% of the time. That is my problem. Yep. So I love that yep. you said you're a recovering perfectionist and a recovering procrastinator. I aspire to get to the point where I can stick recovering in front of those two words. <laughs> I am like down in the pit battling every day. I like, you know, I'm at the point where if, if it, I'm at the AA equivalent where I'm happy if I can get my one day chip, you know, um, and then I can get a two day chip and then I fall off. But, you know, I, I'm oh. down waging the battle. <laughs> but, um, I mean, oh, that was, it was such a, it, it's, you know, that moment where it happened, it was just so vivid till today. And uh, I, I wanted to do this group certifications and there were a few things that I wanted to do. And I literally, we had dinner and I am a glass and a half wine in and I almost started breaking. I'm like, I've had it, you know, I'm working on this and I'm working on that and I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do whatever. And this is like almost three years, three-ish years ago. And my husband just just love him. Just sit there, listen and listen and listen and says, so are you going to do anything about it? I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And I'm all like uptight about it. He's like, I mean, you've been talking about this forever. So are you actually going to do it? And I'm like, yes. In that day, half buzzed. I signed up for this program to do. The next morning I, I woke up, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm doing this certification. So I signed up and did the next one. So I did the American and the European one all at the same time in the same year. As far as I know, I'm the only person who did that. So I'm the only nutcase who did that. I don't recommend both in the same year because it was a lot of work and sleepless nights and so on. But I did it. And I don't know. It just, there had to have been that breaking point of a sword, you know, where I'm like, I've had it. That's it. This, this is happening and, and we're done, you know, and, and I, and I did it. But the relief that came after that was, you know, huge. But in all reality, I, it all came down to what if I can't do it perfect? I can't do it the way I wanted to. And that was it. I mean, that was it. I mean, you, you nailed it. And yeah. Anyways, wow. Thank you so, so much. So I know you do uh, coaching for, of course, TEDx speakers and so on. Um, do you do coaching for presentations and things like that outside of that realm? I do. Um, and actually, it's been interesting with the whole COVID thing um, and talking about pivoting and doing and doing different things and, you know, reaching that point. I, I was finding myself having to say no to a lot of people that approached me because there just weren't enough hours in the day if I also wanted to, you know, sleep and have some semblance of life. And I, and I have this terrible thing where I feel bad every Every time I need to say no. So I try to prioritize the causes and the, and the issues that are most important about helping people. But then, because um, one of my other side hustles is that, side hustles, is that I actually am an adjunct lecturer at the University of Queensland, which here in Australia is equivalent to one of our Ivy League. And um, we call them the Sandstone. And uh, I teach there and I lecture, I guess, lecture in the art and science of presenting. And uh, people there were like, you have to go write a book. And I'm like, I, just, I, I have no capacity to sit down and write a book at this time in my life. It's just not going to happen. But then COVID hit and so many people were taking content online and I was living online all the time. And so then I said, look, I'm, I'm going to do a digital course. I, that I can do. 
I can do a digital course. I, I'm thinking it's like a five-minute job to get this converted from what you do in real life to digital. Little did I know. So, yeah, so at the moment I've, I'm my main focus is I'm transitioning. The, the course is about to open enrolments on the, the 22nd, so that's exciting and getting that all done. But the exciting part for me is that instead of just being able to help one person at a time, created this course and they're all videos and, and, and worksheets and, and I'll jump online like three times a week and people will get me for Q&A sessions for an hour, you know, with the group. And then um, after a little period of time, all of the videos and all the worksheets, we just decided let's make them downloadable so people can have them for life. Um, so just helping as many, many people as we possibly can. So, yeah, so I, I just kind of have these three prongs to make me feel good. So I have I go and do the weekly training on Clubhouse and it's totally free. So anyone who can get on there and I'm like, yeah, that's my altruism tick. Anybody who needs it, regardless of what you can pay for, I'm there and I've got you and you'll get some great value. And then we do things uh, and then I've got the course offering that's about to launch so people can do it and come into a community and will be so helpful and supportive and they get all of this extra information about how to do it and they download it for life so they can watch it over and over again as many times as they need to. And then in addition to that, I do do one-on-one -on -one coaching, which which is available and, and that's great, whether it's, you know, a, a, a coaching session on nailing your five-step introduction or whether it's about presentations. Yeah, absolutely. People can reach out to me and do that. But one of the joyous things about creating the course is... Overall, it's it's a it's an easier price point to get to than getting professional one-on-one -on -one coaching, which you know is absolutely worth every cent. I'm totally biased, but you know that that's more expensive getting it one-on-one -on -one than being able to do it in a, in a course where you have that material forever. So no, I, I do all of those things, but um, particularly excited about doing this pivot to digital. And I honestly, I think if COVID hadn't happened, as terrible as it is, I probably would have kept putting this off for about another five or ten years, um, <laughs> which was to my detriment because it actually was causing me stress and angst. The fact that I could not help as many people as I wanted to help and as I think needs help because, you know, bad presentations are the place good ideas go to die. And I love that slogan. I absolutely do. Thank you again so much. And I personally have experienced your coaching that you do for free on Clubhouse. And the amount of value that you give, the way you're helping this, this everybody who's showing up and it's fantastic. Like I said, it was no fluff. It was just straight to the goods, you know, and I, I, I saw so many people keep returning, you know, cause I'm listening to this and I'm like, Oh my God, this is just brilliant. And it's fascinating. And that being said, yes, I think you should write a book. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. That can go on the to-do list later. We, you know, we procrastinating perfectionists. It's like, let's just, let me just tackle this one thing first. And it's, you know, I know I had the same problem. I did this international women's day speech on on uh, the first one I did was on Sunday. It was a 35 minute keynote. It was talking about, you know, lessons learned from life and things I wish I'd known sooner. And unfortunately, all these people come up after us and they're like, write a book. And I'm like, hey, just, you know, can I just let me, I'm just getting over learning how to work with digital. Like, let me just get over this and then we'll potentially get there. Right. But, you know, I think that's the same with, with all women in particular, but also with men. There are things in life you're going to want to tick off. You're not saying no to them. You're saying not now. And that's just something I've had to, I've had to learn. Um, you know, you, and I say, look, you, they say to women all the time, you can have everything these days. Women can have it all. I'm like, well, first of all, not all women can have it all because we're not a homogenous group and there's 
lots of issues about diversity and women of colour, Indigenous women, women with disabilities, LGBTIQ women, you know, they do not automatically get the same entitlements that someone like me has with all my white privilege and my educational privilege and my socioeconomic privilege. So, but also this idea that even women who are extremely fortunate can have it all all the time is really unhelpful because, you know, I'm one of those women and I have a lot of it. You know, I've got, I tick the, the job and career and family, but I don't get it all all the time. Like at the same time, you know, my 20s, I was like, you know, trying to go through university with three kids and no money. And, you know, that looks entirely different to my 40s, you know, where my kids are all 20 something and and life is good. Not that it wasn't good then, but you can't have it all, all the time. So I think, I think we've got to get to the point where we can accept that we'll say, yes, I do want to do that. It's not no, it's just not now. Very well said. Thank you again. This was wonderful. And before we part ways, um, anything else you would like to share? And also, please tell us where they can find you. Absolutely. Well, a couple of things, I suppose. If you are on Clubhouse, um, that's awesome. You can find me on Clubhouse at Full and Frank. And if you'd like to find out when my Clubhouse sessions are on, you can subscribe at fullandfrank.com forward slash Clubhouse. And you'll get links to all my free resources, including the guide that goes along with the five steps and um, also updates on when my brooms are. And I also, in the coming weeks, I actually am doing a free webinar and it's about how to, an introductory free webinar on how to present, develop and deliver high impact presentations. And I only do this webinar for free about twice a year. So the timing is perfect. Jump in and register now. So if you go to uh, my website, thefullandfrank.com, there's up in the top menu bar, you'll see an events link. Follow that through and you can register now. But yes, it's a it's a free one-hour webinar that will introduce you to the basics of how to develop and deliver presentations. It would be, it's a great one hour. It'll teach you some things that you need to know. Lots of value condensed into a very short period of time. And we only run it about twice a year. So um, it's a good time to jump in. Thank you again. I truly appreciate all this. And you will see me again at the clubhouse because I just cannot get enough of it. It's just so good. And I highly recommend anyone who is on clubhouse who well has an iPhone and want to be on clubhouse, DM me. I've got some invitations to spare. I'll be happy to send it to you. You guys just join and listen. And like I said, this is one of the ones that I've told multiple people about already. I got my husband into it and he did his thing. And I have been encouraging him to come on to the clubhouse and actually come on stage about it. He hasn't done that one yet. So that's the next step. But you guys don't want to miss this out. This It's just really good. Thank you Thank so you. much. I really appreciate it. And I cannot wait to see you back in the clubhouse and Let's just, you know, nail your next little bit of introduction that you need to do. Absolutely. Thanks, Juanita. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. What did I tell you? Wasn't she good or what? You guys, I'm telling you, be sure to download that five-step sheet. Be sure if you can show up to the clubhouse, do so. I don't think you're going to get this type of coaching anywhere else and for free. And also, Sign up for the webinars because I'm telling you, based on everything that I've seen this woman does on Clubhouse, all her free resources and the coaching that she provides, this is going to be really an amazing opportunity. So I hope this was helpful. Please reach out to me. Tell me if you, you know, what you took out of this. I mean, it was a tremendous help for me, you know, in, in, 
finding this lady and following her and being coached by her and so on. And I really, truly hope that this is helpful for you as well. And before we part ways, I know we talked about Clubhouse quite a bit and I feel like I've been talking about Clubhouse quite a bit, actually. It's been my newfound um, source of inspiration and information and networking. And for those of you who want to be part of it, I do have quite a few invitations that I can send. You know, since we're hosting rooms regularly, they're gifting us with some invitations. So I'm happy to share those. You do have to have an iPhone. So if you do have an iPhone, you want to be part of this, just DM me. DM me privately. All I need to know is your name and your phone number and I will add you to the clubhouse and you can go and explore on your own. All right. Well, that's it for today and we'll meet again next time. Well, it's a wrap. Thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in to Viva La Flora Live podcast. We'll see you next week.